Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Since our last episode, the Blue Jackets went 2-1 with an uninspiring shootout win over New Jersey and a home-and-home split with Pittsburgh. With four weeks left to go in the regular season, we'll talk about the current state of the CBJ and if they have enough to make the playoffs. All right, well with us on this episode, we've got myself, Ryan Rial, and we've got Will Chase. Hey there. Hey, Will. We've got Eric Seeds. Howdy. Somebody's been playing Red Dead. And then we've got the editor himself, Pale Dragon. Hello. So, boys, the Jackets have gone 2-1 and one since we all last spoke. Um, not the most impressive win on Tuesday, but all week after that, we said if they manage to get a split with Pittsburgh, they may still be hope for the playoffs. So... With that in mind, we can go around the go around the room and figure out kind of what the state of the jackets is and kind of how we're all feeling. Feeling better than I was on Thursday, that's for sure. Yeah, that Thursday game was pretty rough. Um, not great. Yeah, um, I feel like having well, Pale Dragon, you were at the game last night. Why don't you tell us what it was like in the arena? Yeah, so it was uh, it was an interesting experience. Obviously, there were a ton of Pens fans there, which I expected. Uh, my section in particular had a lot. So that was really weird, like celebrating the Boone Jenner goal and having a lot of people sitting down around me. <laughs> uh, so that was, just, that was just an adjustment. But it was really nice, like realizing after the Bjorkstrand goal that, oh, wow, the entire row in front of me cleared out. <laughs> <laughs> when did that happen? So uh, it, nice to see all those uh, black and gold jerseys uh, slowly marching out of there uh, in a somber mood. So that was that was good. Uh, I do think, yeah, based on the way the week's gone, that I tried to not get too down about the Thursday loss. And so I also tried to not get too up about this win um, because it was a good effort by the Jackets, but it was still not... Uh, not a great, not a very excellent played game by both teams. There were issues, and I think there's still issues with what the Jackets are doing. But I think 
the psychological impact, I think, is the most important part of this game. Because it's been such a slog since the trade deadline, that just getting on the win column, getting a win against Pittsburgh, avoiding the sweep against Pittsburgh, I think this will give them the confidence that they need going forward, make them feel good about themselves. That And if, hey, if they put in the effort that they put in last night, then that is going to serve them well against most of their opponents going forward. Yeah, I thought that, uh, well, so after Thursday, I mean, going into Thursday's game, I didn't really have much confidence of a win against Pittsburgh. And then going into last night, I thought, yeah, they're not going to win that game. Why would they? They haven't won the last seven or eight or whatever it is. But And then Boone Jenner takes that penalty 20 seconds in, and I'm like, oh, here we go. They're going to score on the power play. But it's kind of like, ironically enough, I guess, even though he took that penalty, it was great for him to get that goal. But also... Um, it's kind of, I don't know, I think the killing the penalty early kind of, I mean, since they did kill the penalty, it set that tone, it, or it couldn't have hurt to set that tone and kind of get that crowd motivated and really energized. Um, and like Pale said, uh, you know, I'm trying, I, I joke with you guys, but realistically, I try not to get too down or too high based on one game, but obviously, psychologically, that's a great win, but they have to carry it forward Monday at the Islanders because, I mean, you know, can't just let one keep being consistent. Got to get get on a roll here. Right. Yeah. They they. This is a good stepping stone. It's a good building block. But they have to carry this performance forward. Um, the Islanders game on Monday is obviously going to be another huge game, especially with the Islanders starting to slip back to reality. Robin Lehner's been hurt. Um, we might miss him tomorrow. And I saw earlier on Twitter that Johnny Boychuk is likely not to play tomorrow night. So we might be getting a less than 100% Islanders team tomorrow night. So it'd be really nice if we could um, take advantage of that. Well, and they slipped down to second place now, so we could catch them maybe. They're only six points ahead of us right now. Yeah, so that's that's doable, especially if we take care of business in the, the two games that we play against them. Well, and that's why like Tuesday, Tuesday's game was such a slog. It was so awful to watch. But they won, and they got, I mean, they got the shootout win. That's two points. And so as bad as that game was to watch and, and be invested in, two points at this, at this stage of the game is huge. So, I mean, you're okay. looking at four out of six points in the last three games this week. Um, so, so, and we'll talk later about we have some, some questions from Twitter, and we can get into kind of, you know, is this for real? What's it going to take to get into the playoffs? But I'm feeling okay. Uh, a lot better than last week for sure, but feeling okay. Maybe things are starting to change. Right. It sounds. It it looks like they might actually have at least figured out the offensive confidence they need. Um, I just i I think the, getting the four points this week was huge. It was bare minimum what they had to do to really stay in the race, at least from a psychological standpoint. So, I think the another, the win over the pen- Yeah. Go ahead. Another thing that's important, you talk about the offensive confidence. I think we're also maybe seeing some offensive continuity finally in these two games against Pittsburgh. Uh, Torts mostly left the lines alone. So hopefully we're seeing the four lines that we're going to have for the remainder of the season. Uh, now, you know, maybe some change on the, the fourth line. Maybe we get some guys shuffling in there, but, you know, keeping the top line the way it's been all year, keeping together that, that Jenner line, which has been a, a consistent line for us all year, I think. Um, certainly one that Torts relies on to provide some energy, and they have succeeded at that. And then 
having you know the, the new guys to Shane Dezingle with uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand on the right wing. Uh, so if you keep those three lines together going forward, I think we're going to see things start to click. And then obviously that that Duchesne line, they got the sort of the game clinching goal last night. Oh, I also just wanted to add also, um, I kind of wanted to throw a little web at the goaltenders because Corpusalo had such a solid game, I thought, against Pittsburgh. I mean, he didn't get any goal support, so he gives up two goals, basically. You know, he had a really solid effort after not starting since, I believe, that Lightning game back around mid-February. And then um, Bobrovsky gives up one goal last night. I mean, when's the last time he's given up just a goal against Pittsburgh? So he's so used to him giving up four. So it was nice to see the goaltenders, I thought, have, you know, pretty solid play lately. Bob was fantastic last night. That was one of the one of the better games that he's played in a long time. Uh, and and, and honestly, Matt Murray as well. He made some incredible saves, saves that I just could not believe. Goals that really yeah. should have gone in, and it's amazing that he got his glove or his stick or his skate on them. But yeah, both goalies last night were were putting on an absolute clinic. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to note. Um... One one of the key takeaways that we all had, I think, after the Thursday game was that Pittsburgh blocked a lot of shots against us. Like it was something like 24 shot blocks, um, shots blocked on, in the Thursday game. We actually blocked more shots last night than the Penguins did. Uh, we blocked 12 of theirs compared to 10, just 10 for the Penguins. So it speaks to an adjustment that the Blue Jackets coaching staff had to have made to, you know, be aware that the Pens were likely to block shots and to... Um, be willing to make an extra pass instead of shooting immediately. You got to block shots, block <laughs> shots. But uh, yeah, Tom Reed at the athletic had an article this morning uh, about that very adjustment. I don't know if you you've read that yet, but it's uh, it's a good read and it talks about, yeah, they, they looked at how many shots were blocked on Thursday. And I think it, last night Pittsburgh blocked just 10. Um, yeah. 10. And, and he put it as a perfect example, the, the Bjorkstrand goal uh, when, Dezingle got the puck in the slot there. He waited a few extra beats, and it gave him the room that he needed then to pass to Bjorkstrand. And, uh, you know, it was almost kind of a... Tom Reed compared it to the kind of play that in the NBA goes viral, you know, kind of an ankle-breaking sort of thing. You know, he just does a little bit of a deke, sends the player the other way, and gets in the room he needs. And so that, yeah, that was a great adjustment by the team. And so as much as we've, we've given towards uh, a lot of grief over the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, maybe that's a case of, Hey, coaching, coaching made the right changes last night. At one point I want to point out is, did we, did we think that Ryan Murray was going to be kind of the linchpin of this defense? Like it is crazy how much, his absence has affected everybody on, on his pairing and below and really on the top when they're trying to shuffle around and put Scott Harrington with Seth Jones and, you know, everything they got going on. It's 2019. He was supposed to be shipped off years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, been, yeah, it's been a great year for Murray. Uh, he's just, well, cause he's, 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 he stayed healthy until yeah. recently. And when he was healthy, he was contributing. Uh, and yeah, we've missed him. The, the big weakness has been then on that third pairing. Because obviously Jones and Wierenski are great. Uh, Nudavar and Savard have been solid. But when you have either Harrington McQuaid or Harrington Kukin, it's it's not good. And against Thursday against Pittsburgh, that third pairing was god-awful. They just got brutalized time and time again. Now, they were better last night at 
five on five, they were on ice for seven shot attempts, only allowed nine shot attempts. Now that was again about you know nine minutes of ice time each, but so they were not terrible. And actually, I, Harrington made a number of plays last night that I noticed. But uh, obviously, going forward, that's not a pair you want to rely on. Obviously, that's going to be a pair that is not going to get a lot of ice time going forward. So that puts more uh, more pressure on the top two pairs to do well. But you know, of course, if Ryan Murray could get healthy, then that pushes a you know Savard or Nudavara onto the third pairing, which covers for Harrington and just makes the defense a lot better. Yeah, Ryan Murray said just, I mean, he's had such a great year offensively. I mean, he's already set a record, or not a record, a career high with 28 assists. And then, of course, defensively, you know, he's just been such a stabilizer with Seth Jones out there or really anyone he's out there with. But also, I, I remember, um, I think around the midpoint of the season, Allison Lucan had a athletic article about Ryan Murray and just his vision on the ice and just helping make offensive plays happen. And yeah, I mean, there might have been some of, obviously, an adjustment when you lose a guy like that, but I don't think anyone would have seen the ripple effect that it might have helped create. I'm not saying it did, but obviously, at least coincidentally, it seems like the slump kind of helped, you know, spiraled by losing Ryan Murray. But yeah, if they can get him back, hopefully sooner than later, I would think, I mean, hopefully everything would kind of gel quickly. Right, and he's also been really useful at the end of games. Um, Torch has had him out there to close games out with Seth Jones late in, uh, for much of the season. So having him having him out there late in games, um, if he gets back, hopefully sooner rather than later, um, could only benefit this team. One fact I do want to point out from last night that, uh, that Pale Dragon noted is uh, Crosby on the ice for three goals against. So You'll love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> just want to get that off there but that's so cool so you guys you guys get to go to the games more than i do saturday night in nationwide against pittsburgh at this time of the season to get a win like that i mean they've got because the crowd was i don't know if it was a sellout but it was definitely nineteen thousand something is, is what it was announced it, mean, it was a packed house packed house the uh in the first period for sure okay i mean they gotta win games like that well, and they have not won enough at home this yeah. year. They, they're, I think, just now even a, a 500 team, 18 wins, 18 losses. Uh, and that's that's really, really frustrating <laughs> as a, yeah. as a you know, a paying ticket holder. Uh, you know, you want to see the team win. And, and prior to last night, I was one in three uh, in games I attended. And because of my schedule this year, I've had to uh, either give away or sell more games than I usually do. And so in the four that I had given away or sold, only one of those games was a win, and that was the San Jose win. But uh, so that and that's really frustrating to have so many games there and mm-hmm. so few times where the Jackets won, and that a lot of those losses were games were they were bad losses. I think games where they just came out flat, like opening night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I saw a stat today that prior to last night they were three and seven in sellout games at Nationwide this season. Oh. So, and so then when they're laying an egg in front of the biggest crowds, uh, and that's just, and that's not good for selling tickets in the future, you know? Right. You, you build fans by having them come to a game and see a great performance, you know? And that's how, that's how I've convinced some friends of mine to become Jackets fans. I know there were some that I brought to the season finale in 2013 against Nashville. Uh, you know, some that had not really been to a hockey game before, didn't know much about it, 
didn't really care about the Jackets, but it was such an electric atmosphere that, you know, how could you not fall in love with the team then? Or, you know, a friend that I brought then to the uh, playoffs in 2014, that game four win, like you fall in love with moments like that. You are not likely to come back when you see them come out with just a lackluster effort. So hopefully there were fans in attendance last night who will be back for more. It mystifies me how this team is only 18, 16 and two at home this season. I fundamentally do not understand how this team plays so poorly in nationwide arena. And I mean, and they're 2011 and one away from home. I always wonder if it's worth doing something like how even college football teams like Ohio state do where, uh, you know, have the players stay in a hotel the night before a game. Uh, it's obviously easy for for a football schedule to do that, but yeah, so find out what's working with their routine on the road, and maybe start to replicate that at home because obviously something is working on the road that's not working at home. Yeah, I mean, you almost you wish the Jackets could you know win the division or at least get home ice in the first round and. That would, of course, mean being at home. And it's kind of like the way this is going, maybe being on the road is the best thing. But I don't know. I think once the playoffs start, it's a whole different animal. And, of course, right now you just got to get there and get those points. But it is weird how much better they seem to be on the road, whether it's starting games and just getting that first goal and what their record is when they score that first goal. Put the Jackets on the road and on the penalty kill, and they'll never lose. Exactly. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Um, we've got a couple of questions. We solicit questions on Twitter and in Cannon Blast. So if you have a question that you want to hear on next week's episode, tweet us at CBJ Cannon or leave it in the comments. One of us will see it. Um, our first question from Steinerman about the game on Saturday against Pittsburgh. They played a physical game. Did this help them get into the game and move their feet? Or was it just a coincidence? Honestly, I think having the early penalty kill might have helped them more than anything because they they excel in that area. They're top three in the NHL. Um, so being able to get that confidence under them, especially with one of their key contributors out um, and in the box, uh, Boone Jenner, then he was he's able to come right out and score that. That honestly, I feel like is the biggest reason for them getting into the game last night. Yeah, I would agree that that the Jenner line had it had a good game overall and they, and they provided the kind of energy that the team needed. Um, I think the key was that last night, the whole team was playing a very North South game and they were driving the puck forward and they were driving it at the net. They were getting more high danger chances than they had gotten against either Pittsburgh or New Jersey earlier in the week. Um, I was looking, I showed you guys the, uh, the matchup chart at hockey viz. And what you see looking at that is that, Torts heavily used that line against the Crosby line. And they actually had an edge in uh, in shots against the Crosby line. So they, they did their job there. I think they, they neutralized Crosby a bit and they, you know ha- kept them back on their heels. So I think in that case, yeah, if you see that as the more physical line, then 
then they, yeah, that was a big part to the win there. Now, on the other hand, I know that Steiner Man loves fighting, and I feel like mm-hmm. in the first period, the momentum really flipped after that uh, that big scuffle there. Uh, McQuaid and Hornquist went to the box. I, I saw uh, Panarin <laughs> throwing some punches. I, it's maybe more of a face wash, but it was, it was uh, really fun to see him being involved in that. But after that moment, uh, prior to then, the Jackets were completely dominating the game. But after that, then the Penguins were dominating the rest of the period. So that was a case where I think the fight served to switch the momentum, which I think is exactly what the Penguins wanted. So fighting certainly didn't help things in the game last night, but I do think playing uh, a physical game uh, was good for the Jackets. Yeah, I, I we've seen the Jackets start games fast against whether it's Pittsburgh or Tampa or, you know, it's like a big-time game, you know, atmosphere and all that for like the first period, the first 10 minutes. And then the tables will kind of get flipped on them, and it's kind of like, okay, that aggr- that aggressiveness or that uh, physicality we saw kind of disappears. But last night, especially killing that penalty 20 seconds in, obviously was a huge boost because if they give up that power play goal, it's, just a psych- it's probably another psychological, at least for the fans, that, oh, absolutely. you know, camel, you know, it breaks your, your, your spirit almost. So um, I think last night, though, you know, they were able to capitalize and pretty much, like they said, do- like you guys said, dominate throughout that game for the most part. Um, and really, you know, Torts even said after the game that the, the crowd being into it as much as he was, as, as much as they were, only could help. And so obviously they were able to deliver when they really needed to the most. Our next question comes from Maria DeVito. Huh. How many I wonder points? Who, wonder who suggested that. Or wonder, <laughs> yeah, huh. go figure. How many points is it going to take to make the playoffs? And can we get there with the tough games we have left? Islanders twice, Bruins three times, and Carolina Friday at home. I had talked uh, earlier this week. Um, I was looking at maybe 96 points to get us in, and I was looking today at projections by uh, Dom Lushizen at The Athletic. Uh, he has us. Name, by the way. I hope I got it right. I think he did. Yeah. That's a mouthful. Uh, so he has them in the second wild card spot at 95.2 points. Uh, Michael Blake McCurdy at Hockey Viz has them uh, also at 95.2, and again in the second wild card spot. So let's round that up and say 96 points gets in. Um, so from this point, that would have us going eight five and one down the stretch, and we can get it. And that sounds really, really doable. And again, let's not count on Bettman points and say, uh, you know, nine and five. Mm-hmm. I think I think they can. That sounds reasonable, and and you know you could afford that number of of losses. Uh, so not every game is an absolute must win, but uh, I yeah I think that they can. I think they can do that. I think the only games that are must win on the schedule are really the Metro games. You'd like to beat the Islanders, Carolina, um, the Rangers, um, the Islanders uh, again, and Montreal. Um, Even though Montreal's not in the division, they're directly competing with us for that uh, final playoff spot. And then the Jackets should probably look to just beat the teams they're better than on paper. Uh, You have to... I would assume that you the team would have to beat Edmonton in Edmonton and win in Vancouver on the Western Canada road trip 
Calgary being a toss up. Um, and then you have to beat Ottawa to end the season. Um, you know that Ottawa is going to be motivated after we took half their roster at the trade deadline. Hmm. So we'd like to those are the games you probably have to win to, uh, here down the stretch. And it'd be great if you could steal one against Boston. But there I, I read I read a stat this morning that Boston hasn't lost in regulation since uh, January 19th, which is just insane to me. So those might be a couple of the tougher games. But yeah, those might be a couple of the tougher games. But we'll see what happens here down the stretch. So uh, you probably, I, I probably said something to the effect of if the Jackets lose both these games to Pittsburgh this past weekend, um, you know that would probably end their season. So not not exactly, but it just felt that way. And obviously, they can carry the momentum forward going up against you know the Islanders and Carolina and Boston. That could be huge. I think they have to at least, hopefully, I mean. You'd like to, like you said, you'd like to win those four-point games against uh, your division with the Islanders and the Hurricanes. Um, I would hope to at least get maybe a split with Boston, but as hot as they've been, um, you know, who knows. But I think you got to at least go 2-2 two and two this week, and then you have that Canadian West Coast trip, uh, I believe, next week, or at least towards the end of this month. Um, 95 points sounds about right, um, but... Let's hopefully they have to set that tone this week, kind of get that groove going, and hopefully that carries them forward, um, you know, going forward. So related to that, I want to ask you guys a question. Uh, I had tweeted something earlier this week when we were sort of all feeling pretty low about it, and I said that given everything we've been through now these last two weeks, that I would still rather face Tampa in the first round then miss the playoffs entirely. Do you guys agree with that or not? I would say, I, yeah. I mean, obviously, when, when things are going bad, it's easy to just be like, let's just end this thing and be done with it, put us out of our misery. Obviously, playoffs is definitely a goal, not the goal, because you want to go to the playoffs in advance. And as we've seen teams before, the LA Kings in, what, 2012, I believe, eight seed win the Cup. Not saying Columbus is going to do that, but... It would be nice to go to the playoffs no matter what. And also, it would be, the, I believe, the first time, whether they're in the West or the East, that they haven't played a divisional opponent in the first round. So even though Tampa Bay has wiped the doors with Columbus, um, I think, yeah, playoffs and who knows what happens. Maybe they steal a couple games. You never know. Anything could happen. Yeah, I'd rather miss the, or I'd rather make the playoffs than miss them pretty much in every single scenario, even if we would play Tampa Bay's buzzsaw. But... It's a short series. Um, seven games is really nothing. And even though Tampa has looked like a juggernaut for most much of the season, there's no reason to say that, you know, we couldn't be competitive and hold our own and we'll see what happens. But I would rather I would rather make the playoffs than not. Yeah, anything could happen in the playoffs. And, and if we're saying nine and five from here on out is what makes the playoffs, considering how all in the Jackets went and how good they were supposed to be coming into this year and how they have six 20 goal scorers, which if I hear that said again, I'm going to, I'm going to lose my mind. Nine and five. If you can't make that, then, then fine. Like don't, then maybe you don't belong in the playoffs. I think, I know it's a tough schedule. I know there's a lot of games on the road, but nine and five is a fine ask to end this, to end the season for a team as good as the Jackets are supposed to be. And then anything can happen in the playoffs. You get a team in there, you get, like, even if they're Tampa, you get anybody against anybody, and it's hockey. It's the one sport where really, you know, anything can happen. It's it's far, far more equal when you're in a series. Now, of course, the Jackets have never won one, and things seem to collapse when 
there's pressure on this franchise, but get in a chip in a chair is what I'm saying. And, and the schedule really, you know, a lot of, a lot of games on the road, we've made hay about that in the past couple of weeks about how much is on the road and it, the schedule there's, you know, two back to backs next week with New York and Boston and then Carolina and Boston. And then that Western Canadian road trip, they have five days of rest in seven days uh, between Calgary and Edmonton. And then, and then they play cause they play Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, um, now, a lot of that's travel, but still, they should be able to do this. They should be able to do this. Yeah, I'm actually really looking forward to that Western Canada trip for them. Uh, because, yeah, so I'm not concerned about the number high number of road games because, as we said, they've been better on the road this year. And the last few years, I feel like they've always done really well on that Western Canada trip. And for a team that's been trying to find chemistry and has been trying to come together a long road trip, I think, is the perfect opportunity for that. Hmm. And with those off days in between those games, those are days when they can practice. And <laughs> I think the more practice that some of these lines get, uh, especially like the power play, so I, I hope Marty St. Louis makes that trip with them, uh, I think that could be really good for them. I was just concerned then about the week in advance of that trip. Yeah. You know, will, will they be able to at least tread water enough that they're not in too deep of a hole to climb out of. But I feel better with this Pittsburgh win that they'll be in a good place and then that Western Canada trip can get them started on the streak they'll need to be hot going into the postseason. Yeah, I was just going to add, too, that, um, you know, as far as Columbus, uh, it's kind of like the last couple of years when they were playing Pittsburgh or Washington in the playoffs. I think a majority of people or experts, as you would say, might have picked, you know, the opponent. But there are some people that would definitely pick Columbus. And, as one of you already mentioned, the team kind of seems to fold under uh, pressure and expectations. And if you're going up against Tampa, not to say that, you know, many people are going to expect Columbus to beat them and the odds might be great. But I, I just feel like there wouldn't be that type of pressure in some kind of, you know, in a small sense, just because it's like, OK, they're not really supposed to beat Tampa, but maybe they'll play loose. Maybe they'll steal a couple games to get some momentum. And also, no matter what, if they're playing Tampa or whoever, you just know, like, I, I know how excited I would be before game one. So just kind of going back a second to uh, missing the playoffs or making it, no matter what, I, I just know how excited I would be before game one. So our, our, I, I can imagine, I can imagine that some of our commenters are going to be mad that we're talking about playoff matchups already. But <laughs> regardless, big game next, big week next week, rather big week. Uh, at New York versus Boston versus Carolina at Boston. Um, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, final thoughts from, from anybody from a week that uh, met expectations, I suppose, and uh, and have the Jackets in, in a decent shot down the, down the way here. Um, PD, we'll start with you. Uh, it's just keep keep grinding. Just keep getting at it. Um, I, again, I feel a little bit relieved that they finally got that Pittsburgh monkey off their back. And uh, let's just hope they can, can carry on some momentum from that, carry on some confidence from that into the games this week. And, you know, stay tuned at the Canon for all of our coverage about it. Seeds, do you have a final thought? Yeah, um, there are a few things sweeter in hockey than watching the Pittsburgh Penguins lose even better when it's losing to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, <laughs> last week last week was a success just for that. This week, I'd, I'd like to see them... Uh, beat both Metro teams and uh, carry some momentum into the into the season here. 
Amen. Will. Yeah, every game here on out is the next biggest game. I need to see them beat the Islanders tomorrow, beat Carolina Friday, maybe split with Boston. I'd be happy with that, but at least get two wins against your uh, divisional opponents, our rivals, and uh, yeah, just got to keep that momentum going. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, my final thought is I want to point out, I know I wrote I wrote a long post about Bobby Mack and the radio and all that, Bob McGilligan, but I, he did a really good job on, on Tuesday against New Jersey on fairly short notice, I'm guessing. I don't know. It was, a, it was a nice change of pace. I'm not the biggest Rimmer fan, I'll admit. I'm glad he's healthy. And, um, I'm, you know, I'm... But I, good for Bobby Mack, I think. That's... Yeah, that's yeah. That was, it was an enjoyable broadcast. And he obviously has chemistry with Jody, so that, that I think that certainly made things easier for him. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him get a chance to uh, be the regular play-by-play guy on Fox Sports going forward. Well said, PD. I agree. Well, that will do it for us. We appreciate you listening to the podcast. We appreciate you sharing the podcast with other Jackets fans. Uh, we are on iTunes at the Canon Cast. You can search for us in the iTunes store under podcasts. So go ahead and subscribe. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. And again, tell your friends. We really appreciate it. You can contact us at CBJ Cannon on Twitter. Uh, you can tweet any one of us. You can leave comments. We will see them. And of course, you can find us online at jacketscanon.com. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. They met their Kickstarter goal. Congratulations to them. Check them out at angelapurley.com. And we will see you next week on the Canon Cast. I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.